Amazing. Uh, if you got your Bibles, I want you to go to Psalm 118. Psalm 118, uh, verse 15 is where we've been getting our series, Summer of Joy. Psalm 118, verse 15, it says, Shouts of joy and victory resound in the tents of the righteous. I just want you to know this, that there should be, in the life of the, the believer, there should be shouts of joy and victory. That there should, there should be a shout about our lives because we learned this in week one that when Christ won, we won. Because Jesus went to the cross and died and rose again, he won, we win. That, that, that means that no matter what you're facing, no matter what difficulty you're walking through right now, then ultimately you win. So my joy is not just in, in, in the midst of the situation I have. My joy is that God is going to bring me through the situation I'm in. God wants there to be shouts of joy and victory that resound in your house. That, that word resound, another translation would be reverberates. There is, that's not a passive shout. That is, there is joy that is in my home. There is joy that marks my life. I, I, I love the Psalms for a lot of different reasons. One of the reasons I love the Psalms is David is so uh, up and down. He's, he's emotional. He's emo. He's like, I love you, Lord. I give you my life. And then like, he's like, where are you? I want to die. And I, I, I like that because it makes me feel stable. You know, it's like his, his vast ups and downs make me feel like I'm doing all right. And, and, and the Psalms talk a lot about his journey. The Psalms is a collection of songs that are written to the Lord. David wrote most of the book of Psalms. He wrote a, a whole number of them. This is one of the ones he wrote in Psalm 30 that I want to read to you. Psalm 30, verse 4. It says, sing the praises of the Lord, you his faithful people. I want to stop here just for a second. It says, sing the praises of the Lord. We get this all the time. People say, why do we sing songs in church? You, you know, we don't sing just because like, we, we have a committee that said, what was the best way to spend an hour and a half on a Sunday morning? We sing because the Bible says to sing. We sing praises to the Lord because the Bible says to sing praises to the Lord. We lift our hands. Not because we do this at concerts and we do it in service. The Bible says, lift up your hands in the most holy place. We lift our voices. We lift our hands. We sow. We, get, we, we do what the Bible says. That's why we do what we do. It says, you, his faithful people, praise his holy name. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. When people read this a lot of times, they say, well, is God angry? Well, if you read the Old Testament, you'll find instances where it's like, wow, he seems really angry. He's doing crazy stuff. He's killing people. Like, he seems angry. And in, in the Old Testament, God was before New Covenant. The New Covenant came into existence. When Jesus came, he took the wrath of God. The Bible says that, the, that, the, that the, the Lord exhausted his wrath on Jesus. So he took our punishment for our sins, our consequences. So now, when it talks about the anger of God under the new covenant, it's actually the discipline of God. So some of you are like, well, God disciplines? Well, yes, he does. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12 that God disciplines those he loves. So you could read it this way, is that his discipline lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Now listen, you've heard this scripture before. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. When I felt secure, I said I will never be shaken. 
Lord, when you favored me, you made my royal mountain stand firm. But when you hid your face, I was dismayed. To you, Lord, I called. To the Lord, I cried for mercy. What is gained if I am silenced? If I go down to the pit, will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your faithfulness? Hear, Lord, and be merciful to me. Lord, be my help. That's what David says in verse 11. You turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy. Sackcloth was a type of cloth or clothing that they would wear in, in Old Testament times when they were mourning. So they would take off their robes of adornment and they would clothe themselves. And you would know if someone was grieving because they were clothed in sackcloth. They were mourning something because they were in sackcloth. And he says, you've taken my, my sackcloth and you've clothed me in joy. This is what God wants to do is God wants to clothe you in joy. And that was encouraging for me because I always thought that the joy should be like on the inside of me. Like I should just have joy all the time, which is, is great, but I always also felt bad because I, always, I didn't always feel it. So I knew I should have it. I just didn't always feel it. And, and it, it, it was encouraging for me to read that he clothed them with joy because you have to put on clothes. You don't grow clothes. Clothes are not internal. You have to put on clothes. I'm grateful y'all put on clothes this morning. You, that, that, that's, that's something you put, you, you put on. And that, that encouraged me because for a while I thought that, that I was supposed to just get so close to God that I just had this ever-increasing joy on the inside of me that was just always there no matter what I went through. And, and I wanted that. And I think that's available, but it wasn't true to my experience all the time. And I realized that there was some of my own decision-making in the process. Like, I had to choose to get dressed. I had to choose to put on joy. And it, it actually reminded me of a story. My mom, mom and dad remember this because we, in, when we were pastoring a church in, in Washington State, we ran a clothing bank. And uh, people would donate clothes all the time, and we'd give them out to people in need in the community. And, and uh, our county jail uh, donated a bunch of, of jail uniforms to the clothing bank. So they were really cool. Like, right now, young people be wearing those things. I'll tell you right now, they, like orange jumpsuits, they'd be selling those. They'd be, it'd be vintage. It would be, you would see it on Instagram somewhere for like $795. And uh, it was orange jumpsuits. And so we did what any other teenagers would do. It was like, hey, let's put these on and um, let's run through the streets like we just escaped. <laughs> because, you know, we thought like, oh, what's, what's the worst thing that could happen, you know? Um, we did it. Like, we're just joking. And uh, so we, we put them on and we may or may not have been prodded by my father. Um, so... So we, uh, we, we did, and we did a whole run right down Tower Avenue, and, and so it was funny, and cars were honking, and you know, and, and so we went back, and we were like, that was so fun, uh, we should do it again. Because th th I don't know if some of the guys will get this. I don't know why, guys have a problem. Guy guys can't like hang out and be like, that was fun, and be done. If it was fun, now we have to try to make it dangerous, we have to escalate it, we gotta try it again. Like with some other element of, it just, we have to increase the, the possibilities of trouble. 
And so we're like, you know, we made it once, let's try it again. And so we ran down the other street and, and just so happened that somebody didn't know we were joking and they called 911 and we were chased down the street by nine different patrol cars that said that we, they had escaped convicts from the county jail. And uh, now I was a good kid. I grew up in a good home, good family, good kid. And, and so I knew what to do. And um, I just sat down on the curb, you know, real quick and put my hands behind my back. And, and um, I, I knew, but my friend, he, he was raised different than me. He, he just had a different upbringing. So when he saw lights, he ran. And I'm like, I just shook my head and just watched him. I'm like, there he goes. And cops chasing him down the street. I'm like, oh, no, this is going to be bad. And um, so I won't tell you the rest of the whole story, but it was a rough day. And um, they, 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 they misidentified us because of what we were wearing. Because we put on these outfits, they thought we belonged somewhere. And I started thinking, I, I'm worried about Christians who, who, who are walking around and they, 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 they've never been clothed correctly. They, 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 they've been misidentified or we have been showing the world a misrepresentation of ourselves because as believers, we should know how to be clothed in joy. In fact, the Bible says that he's going to take our mourning and he's going to take our sackcloth and he's going to clothe us in joy. So as Christians, we should be recognized by our joy. So, so my concern is that there's not much difference in joy between us and the world. And, and I'm, I'm wondering if, if we haven't been properly identified because we haven't learned how to dress appropriately. If, if, if we're really full of the joy of the Lord, if we really have Christ in us, if we're really walking in his victory, then we need to put on joy. We need to put on joy. There needs to be shouts of joy and victory that resound in our house. I, li I, like, I like this, this, this psalm in verse 5 because... It says that the weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. And this was encouraging to me because it, it helped me understand that weeping actually happens. Because if you're not careful when you're talking about joy, everybody can get discouraged. Right? Because we're like, close yourself in joy. Clothe yourself in joy. And you're like, I'm going through the worst season of my life. And so the psalmist helps us because he says weeping actually happens. There are difficult seasons. There are seasons of mourning. There are seasons of grieving. There are seasons of weeping. There are seasons, we call them night seasons. There are seasons where it is dark. It's where you can't see an answer. You don't know how you're going to come through a situation. And, and that doesn't mean that you don't have faith. That doesn't mean that you're not living right. But, but the psalmist is trying to tell us that when you have history with God, you understand that weeping may endure for an, a night, but the joy comes in, in the morning. So, so part of the joy is knowing that when I get on the other side of this tragedy, that God's going to come through for me. It's not that I'm going to avoid tragedy my whole life. It's that as I go through it, that God's going to be there on the other side. That this thing is eventually going to let up. That this thing is eventually going to pass. Because weep, weeping happens. 
And if you're not care, if, 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 you're, if you're not careful, then you can preach joy and people can tap out because they say, how can I talk? How can you talk about joy when I'm in the middle of weeping? But David understood weeping and joy. Because if you know David's story, he was, he was attacked, he was betrayed, he ran for his life, he, he had ups and downs, he doubted God, he was angry, he fell. He, all of these things, he had life experience that led him through weeping seasons, but he also saw the faithfulness of God that saw every weeping season turn into a morning of rejoicing. He says in, in verse 6, he says, when I, when I felt secure, I said, I will never be shaken. I thought this was interesting too because I, I was thinking back like when I was, when I was younger. And, and some, some of you will get this. Like some of you, like before you had kids, you used to look at people with kids. And you'd be like, man, I'll never do that. <laughs> right? Like you were the family with no kids. The couple with no kids, and you're like, we will never use a screen in our house. <laughs> like day four, you're like, get the kid a phone. <laughs> it's, it, it's one thing to like stand on this side of the experience. This is what David's talking about. He said, there was a time when I hadn't been through battle. There was a time where I thought, I can't be shaken. There was a time when I thought, like, man, God's favor is on me. Like, I'm, I really haven't tasted defeat. I haven't tasted this, this type of turmoil. And it was only a matter of time before he would. So this is why he mentions it. He said that it wasn't, it wasn't through his avoidance of trouble that he learned the faithfulness of God. It was through him walking through turmoil. He, he said this. He said that when I felt secure, I said I will never be shaken. I remember when I first took over the church um, from Pastor Stephen Lisa and Jamie and I took the church over and, and this is like nine years ago and we took the church and it was like everything we did worked. We started ministering at work. We started campus and it just exploded and it was just like, man, stuff just happened. We built the building and just everything and the church is exploding and growing and we're like, man, this is crazy. Like God's favor is on us and I would go to conferences with other pastors and they'd be burnt out and sad. They're like, how do, how do you get people to come to church? And I'm like, whew, these guys... You know, like, I don't know, the, I don't know these problems. You know, they must be doing it wrong. That's kind of what I thought, you know. And, 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 then, and then trouble hits you. It's, trouble's the great equalizer. It, it's, it feels great when it hasn't hit you yet. And, and, and you can stand tall and pretend like, I, man, I, I will not be shaken until you're shaken. And then, then you get it. Like, like, I used to be the guy that when I get on an airplane, I would scope the entire airplane for kids. And then I would try to change my seat as far away as possible, right? That's when I didn't have kids. But, but now I have kids, and I'm the guy that they're trying to get away from, right? So, so you can only avoid... You can only avoid it so long. And David says, I, I tried to avoid it. There was a time where I thought I would never be shaken, but then... I went through trouble. And as a pastor, it was only a matter of time before real, real difficulty hit and real trouble hit and real, real conflict and real, real situations that make you say, oh man, this is what they were talking about. This is why they were burned out. This is why they said it was hard. This, it makes sense now because joy is not about avoidance. 
Joy is about perseverance. And if you're not careful, you will think that joy is just about avoiding pitfalls, avoiding bankruptcy, avoiding immorality, avoiding sin, avoiding disappointment. It's not about avoidance. Because life is undefeated. Life will hit you. Joy is about perseverance. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. It says in verse 11, you turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy. I want you to know something about your God. He is a professional at turning things. He turns a bad situation into a good situation. He turns death into life. He turns sickness into healing. He turns impossible into possible. He, he, he is a master at turning things. He, he can turn a situation in a moment. That, that's why we can have joy is whatever you're stuck in now has an expiration date. That whatever you're facing right now, no matter what storm you're facing, no matter what turmoil you're facing, at some point it's going to give way to the morning. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. In the history of our earth, there has never been a storm that has lasted. Every storm that's ever been recorded, even the most severe storms that have ever been recorded in history books, have all stopped. This, this, this is in the natural but the same thing is true spiritually, is that there is no attack against you. There is no difficulty in your life that is going to last. It's about perseverance, friend. If you can stay steady, if you can hold the course, if you can survive the night, weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. He says he turns my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and you clothe me with joy. So I want to talk about this for just a couple minutes. What, what do you do? What do you do while you're waiting for God to turn it? Right? Because it preaches good when we say that, like God can turn everything. He can turn the impossible into possible. Somebody on the organ, please. Like, I, but, but what do you, what, what do you do before he turns it? And, and I, I want I to teach you a couple of things about joy that are really important because you have to know where joy comes from in order to really walk in it while you're waiting for God to turn it. I, I was talking with Pastor John this week and I, I said, as I was studying joy, it's interesting to me that I always taught joy was completely internal and not based on any circumstances. But if you study the scripture, there's all kinds of joy as a result of victory. So I'm saying, well, which one is it? Is it internal or is it based on circumstances? We know happiness is based on happenings. And that doesn't last because happenings can be good and happenings can be bad. So there is a joy and the origin is from God. But there also is a time where God turns the situation from good to bad. So there's twofold joy. It's a joy that's internal, that's anchored in the hope that the night will pass. And then there's a joy in the morning when the night has passed. While you're waiting for it to turn, you have to know this. Joy comes from the presence of God. 
Pastor John preached on this last week. Joy comes from the presence of God. Psalm 16 verse 11 says, you make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. In your pre- the, 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 the joy of the Lord is found in the Lord. If you think that you're going to get God's joy outside of God, you are tricking yourself. I don't know why we think that we could get the joy of the Lord from someone other than the Lord. No, this joy that comes from God only comes from God. So I have to learn how to get into his presence. This is the cool thing is the church is not his presence. The church is where we come together to worship corporately. But you can be in God's presence wherever you are. When you drive home today, you can turn on worship music and you can take a deep breath and you can sense God's presence. You can go to work tomorrow. You can be sitting in a cubicle and you can take a deep breath. You can sense God's presence. You can take a walk this afternoon in 105 degree temperatures. And you could not want to go to hell. And, and you could sense God's, it's a joke, you could sense God's presence. His presence is not relegated to our building or to our service times. His presence is available everywhere. So if I want his joy, I got to be where he is. We call it the God-connected life. Is that I, I need to be connected with him always. If I'm only connected to him on Sundays, I'm missing out on the power of the God-connected life. If you're going to go get an IV and, and, you want, and you want vitamin B and they put some other vitamin in there, you, 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 you're only going to get what's, what you're drawing from. You, you're only going to get God's joy if you draw from God. If you're drawing from a, some other source other than God, it's not his joy. So the joy of the Lord is found in the presence of the Lord. Number two is this, joy comes from remembering the faithfulness of God. This is a little exercise you can do whenever you need to feel joy. You can start trying to remember times where God came through for you, God answered prayer for you, God saved you, God forgave you, God spared you, God provided for you. God, you can go down the list and you just try to remember you, you try to remember the goodness of God. David was a master of this. If you read throughout the Psalms, he's always remembering how God saved him. In Psalm 94, verse 17, it says, Unless the Lord had given me help, I would soon have dwelt in the silence of death. When I said my foot is slipping, your unfailing love, Lord, supported me. When anxiety was great within me, listen to this honesty. He said he felt anxious. Your consolation brought me joy. He begins to remember how God saved him, how God comforted him. See, I have to know God's joy comes from God, but then I have to remember how good God's been. Well, man, you did come through. This is what David does in Psalm 30. He, he has history with God where he knows, man, God already came through for me. So that's why I can say, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning because I've already had a lot of nights. And joy's already came in the morning. So th- this is not a lot of faith. This is just experience. I just have trust with God. I have friendship with him. I know that if I can survive this battle, that there's going to be joy 
on the other side. We've been talking about this a lot, is that that history of God is so special. That's why we're so urgent at times to be in church and to be committed and to come every week and to find rhythms of spirituality and rhythms of spiritual growth because what you're doing is you're creating history with God. It's not just so that we can see you, although we love to see you. It's so that you can create patterns of coming to the house of God and create history with God. So when trouble hits, when night seasons hit, you can go, no, I remember. I remember three years ago, I was in that worship service and they started to sing, wait on the Lord and he will renew your strength. And then I went home and I read that passage and I sensed the presence of God now whenever I feel weak or whenever I feel weary, I just remember that, that I can wait on. It starts to connect. That's history. It's history. But it, history doesn't happen because you want it. History happens as you live it. And the third one is this. Joy comes from my praise to God. I love, I love praise, but at times, because like we use the word praise a lot in church, People don't even know what it is. Give the Lord a praise. It's like, you know, what is that? Like, it's like, Lord, give the Lord a hand. One or two or what do we, what do we do? Give the Lord praise is not a fast song. Praise is a declaration of faith in who God is and what he said he's going to do. So gratitude is not faith. Gratitude is just remembering the thing that he's done, and it's powerful. But praise has a supernatural dimension to it because it says, God, I trust you that the, the night season is going to pass and the morning is going to... See, praise says it before it happens. Praise thanks God for the end. Gratitude thanks him after it happens, and it's powerful. But praise thanks him before... Praise starts thanking him in the night. Praise starts thanking him while you're weeping. And you're saying, God, I, I just thank you that you're going to bring me through. And I thank you for the joy of the Lord that is my strength. And I, I thank you that you're going to bring me through and you're going to turn this night because you are the great turn. You are the great turn agent that you can turn bad things into good things and dead things into life things and impossible things into positive. You can turn anything. That's praise. You're great and greatly to be praised. Your arm is not short that you cannot save. You not, are not a man that you sh should lie. Your loving kindness and your mercy extend to every generation. These, this is praise. It's, 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 I'm in the night, but I'm declaring. I think God, I really do. I think God loves it when we praise. And I, I think, I don't know this for a fact. This is my own opinion. I think God says, when we start praising, he's like, oh, they get it. They get it. They understand. They, or they believe me. They believe me. And I think God comes close to us as we praise, as we in faith. See, some of you are in the night right now. It's the night season. Some of you, no one even knows it's the night season. If they looked at you, they would think that you're clothed with joy. But there's some pocket or some place where you're grieving or weeping or it's a night season and you know what God knows it and this is what praise does praise makes a way out of it 
praise turns the night into the morning. It takes your morning, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, your morning, and turns it in the morning, M-O-R-N-I-N-G. It, it flips it. That's what praise does. It'll, it'll turn it. Isaiah 61 verse 1 says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of, a garment, ooh, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. You remember what we talked about in the beginning? It says that, 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 that he was going to clothe us with joy. A garment is clothes. I think when you put on the garment of praise, you become clothed in joy. If you want to get rid of the spirit of despair, then you got to get dressed up in praise. And when you put on the garment of praise, you begin to be clothed in joy. That's how you get this joy, is you begin to say things in the night that you haven't seen yet. You begin to declare things in the morning season, in the grieving season, in the weeping season. You begin to tell God who He is before you see it. In actuality, it takes faith, but that faith has power and it will turn a dark season and a night season into a morning season. It'll take a dark night and a dead tomb and turn it in to an empty tomb it'll turn a funeral into a resurrection party because that's what our God does he turns it he turns it he turns it he turns from good he turns bad things to good things dead things to live things he's a turning God you can stand up all across this place